0: This is week number seven in our summer series entitled Simplify. A little heads up, next Sunday we will be celebrating uh, the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb by celebrating communion here. And then we'll have a time for those who are in need and who are sick to get anointed with oil by the leaders of the church. Where do you find that, Pastor Jeff? James chapter 5. And you can read up on that. We'll talk about that a little bit next Sunday. But one more thing we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to have a time for you to ask questions about the entire series of Simplify. So maybe you've got a question about margin or learning contentment or sitting at Jesus' feet before you rush out to work, questions you might have about the Sabbath. Uh, If you do, here is how you can ask those questions right up there. Uh, Yep, that is my email address, so if you want to write that down somewhere, uh, you can let me know uh, pretty much whatever you want to let me know. But specifically, I'd like you to ask questions regarding the Simplify series. Please do that in the next couple days because I need some time to pray and dig and prepare answers. So if you have some questions, Uh, This is your opportunity, and we'll take some time to do just that, to answer your questions. This is week number two, Sabbath part two. So let me give you a little uh, review of last week, my progression personally on the subject of Sabbath. I I was convinced growing up uh, initially that Sabbath equals church. So that's what it meant. You go to church on Sunday... And uh, you go, you go to Sunday school, then you go to church, then you go home and watch the bears or the cubs or the bulls. You eat, then you go back to church Sunday night, and then you go to youth group, that's Sabbath. Uh, I uh, still thought that when I went to Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music until suddenly I ran into some folks who viewed Sabbath a little differently. It wasn't just church, it was there's rules, and you don't do certain things on Sabbath. So, so then my uh, thinking became Sabbath equals no fun. So Sabbath is church, Sabbath is no fun, um, and, and here is the truth. Many people who take the Sabbath very seriously ruin it with man-made rules and regulations. Okay? So they're not just rules for me, but they're rules for you. And if you don't follow my rules, I'm not going to be happy and I'm going to ruin it for everybody. So pretty soon, Sabbath has lost its joy. It's lost its delight. Last week, we looked at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Uh, That's the top 10 list that God gives us. And we looked at specifically number four. Do you recall that? And there in the fourth commandment, the Lord said, rest is not an option. It's not just if it's convenient. It's not just if it works out well. Sabbath is what? Anybody tell me what is it? It's in the top ten list. It's a commandment. It's it's a command. It's an order from our Lord and our King. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11 refers back to Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. Give me your eyes. Which means... He's referring to creation, and God himself rested, not because he was tired or winded or worn out. He ceased work as our model. His plan was, I'm going to rest so that you'll follow my example. This is how important it is. I'm God Almighty. I'm not tired. I'm not weary, but I want you to follow. This is my good plan for you. And Sabbath is meant to be a day of delight and joy. Sabbath is meant to be a day of delight and joy. Matter of fact, listen close, Sabbath should be the day that we look forward to more than any other day of the week. So like when you're having a bad day, anybody have a bad day last week? Okay. I'm the only one, I guess. There you go. But I I, I had a bad day or two. Uh, But anyway, then you look forward and you say, you know what? I've got Sabbath to look forward. I'm going to have a day of rest, and that's going to be the best day of the week. We get to look forward. The Sabbath is enjoying the gift that God has given us. It's a gift to protect us from ourselves. It's a gift to literally keep us from burning out and working seven days a week. Here's the truth. Are you ready? Most of us today, churches like ours, we don't take the Sabbath very seriously. Most of us, you're thinking, I think when I was growing up, we talked about this. And maybe your parents did some things regarding the Sabbath or or didn't allow you. But today, the truth is, Sabbath really isn't very fashionable today. Not many people talk about or think about Sabbath very much today. And perhaps, give me your eyes, perhaps that's the reason why so many of us are stressed and overwhelmed and exhausted. Because we thought we had a better idea. Lord, I know what you had to say. I know you commanded us one day out of seven, 24 hours, cease work. But I didn't really think that applied to me, did it? Because I think I'm the exception to the rule. I I think I can go seven days a week and I'm going to be just fine. Maybe, just maybe, the fact that we haven't taken Sabbath seriously is why so many of us are overwhelmed, overscheduled, stressed, exhausted with life. Maybe the fourth command is a big part of Simplify. Let's see what Jesus has to say on the subject today. Locate with me on your phone or in your Bible. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Where Jesus has some really important things to say about Sabbath. Gospel of Mark, chapter two, Slide down to verse 23. Let's stand together if you're able. We'll read out loud together. We'll put it up here on the screen so we can read. Balcony you up to it? Read Read with me. OK? Give me, give me the thumbs up if you're up to it. OK? There you go. Balcony's ready to go. Let's follow them. Here we go. One Sabbath. Jesus is going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you are awesome and know everything. You know us perfectly, and now you've given us some instruction. So, so I'm praying, Lord, that you might instruct us about how to simplify our lives. The truth is, some of my friends right here that I care about deeply, they're running way too fast. And they're overwhelmed and they're stressed. And I'm praying that your word today might illuminate our hearts and our minds. And Lord, every Sunday, practically, we ask that your Holy Spirit might be welcomed as well today in your church. We need to hear clearly today as we dig into your word, and we need to hear clearly from your spirit to come and speak and take your word and make it real and alive and personal in each of our lives. So give us insight. Give us insight. the ability to see how this could work out in our lives, in our families, we need you to speak clearly to us today as we study your word. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. I don't know if you caught it while we were reading, (laughs) but Jesus is in trouble here. Did you get that? Jesus is in trouble because the man-made rule keepers of the day, Pharisees, uh, they're upset with Jesus. Why? Because his disciples were picking some grain and eating it on the Sabbath. In their view, even a simple act like uh grabbing a few grains and putting in your mouth, that was work. So Jesus, why on earth would you allow your disciples to do something so awful? In Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, Jesus is in the hot water, same people, because on the Sabbath he healed a man's hand that was shriveled up and wasn't working anymore. And how dare you, Jesus, how dare you heal somebody on the Sabbath? And in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17, Jesus catches heat again from the same people uh, for healing a woman crippled by a demonic spirit, but how dare you do it on the Sabbath? And now, same thing is happening here in Mark chapter 2. Look at verse 24. They're judging Jesus. They're mad at Jesus because his disciples are eating some Cheerios on the Sabbath. You understand, that's what's happening. It'd be the equivalent of grabbing a few Cheerios as you walk by, and in their mind, that, that, how could you handle that? So Jesus expresses some key ideas about the Sabbath here. Look at verse 27. This is huge. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning, a day of rest was never intended to be a tyrant for us. A day of rest was never meant to be our master, uh, this awful thing that we're chained to and have to serve. Track with me. Instead, Sabbath is a gift from God, it's a gift to be enjoyed, it's a gift to be savored, Sabbath protects us, Sabbath is meant to invigorate us, Sabbath is meant to energize us. That's quite different, isn't it? Not a tyrant, not not this awful thou shalt not thing, just the opposite, it's a marvelous gift from the Lord. It was never meant to be a legalistic list that kept God's people from enjoying the best day of the week. But sadly, that's how many of us have begun to view Sabbath. Oh, it's, it's this all these rules. you, you got to watch. And, and Jesus says that's not how it was ever. This was a gift. Sabbath is a good gift for men. Matter of fact, Luke 14.5, he says... Uh, if, if your son or your ox fall in the ditch on the Sabbath of course it's a good thing get them out of the ditch that it's not, do good stuff on the Sabbath is the idea here enjoy it and if you need to pull, pull your cat pull your dog pull your, your, your child your, pull them out of the ditch of course you're going to do that if it falls on your day of rest second key idea, it's found in verse 28, is uh, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the king, the boss, the ruler. Let, let, me, let me offer this thought. Jesus is the creator of the Sabbath. Well, where do you get that? Well, you can write down Colossians 1 and verse 16. Because in Colossians one sixteen, it explains to us that the creative one, back in the book of Genesis, was none other than the second person of the Trinity. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus is the one Who was the creative one who spoke the worlds and the galaxies into existence? Therefore, it was Jesus who rested and modeled and gave us his example to follow. Genesis 2 1 to 3. So, he is indeed the Lord of the Sabbath. So, we can either view ceasing work one day a week. Here's your choice. You ready? It's a duty. It's a chore, it's a rule encased, thou shalt not. That's an option. And sadly, my experience, that's how most people view the Sabbath. Or you can view the Sabbath as an amazing gift that's meant to bring life and joy and delight to our lives. One day, every week, for the rest of our lives. I don't know about you, but that resonates with me. I, I like this idea. No, it's, it's the best day of the week. It's a day of delight. It's a day of joy. It's a, it's a day that invigorates and refreshes me, and I can't wait till that day of rest. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, hey I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and Sabbath was never meant to be a tyrant, to chain you down to rules enjoy it it's for your good that's why i gave it to you turn with me either on your phone or in your bible now let's go to colossians chapter two colossians chapter two the apostle paul is battling some of the same people just like jesus did uh there were legalists that were attacking the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, let me give you a little uh, we'll flying start. Verse 14 says that Jesus, Colossians 2.14, canceled the written code and all the rules and all the regulations that condemn us, and he nailed them to himself on the cross. Did you catch that? Canceled. Why? Because Jesus nailed all those rules and regulations to himself on the cross. Verse 15, I really like this verse, Jesus disarmed Satan and his demonic army. Okay, boys, lined them up, give me your weapons, you are disarmed, you are defanged. He literally ripped out the stinger from all this demonic army of bumblebees, okay? So you now are stingerless and Jesus himself, disarmed, ripped the stinger of Satan and death right out of them and now all they can do is buzz. Bzzz. it's kind of fun, Just buzz with me, okay? Bzzz. turn to somebody and buzz at them, okay? Bzz. okay, that's what, all they can do now. Literally, literally Satan and his demonic army only have one tool, you ready? They can buzz at you. Their only tool in their army is the power of the lie, that's how they buzz. And they try to deceive. It's the power and the tool of deception. Now, 16, here's the verse we really want to go into. Okay? It says, Colossians 2.16, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or by what you drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a, what's the next one? Sabbath day. Oh yeah, this might apply the false teachers, the legalists were attempting to get the followers of Jesus in Colossae, the church in Colossae, here's what they were saying. You need to become an Old Testament Jew. Take on all the rules, the regulations of the Old Testament. You must abide by the dietary laws, Leviticus 11. You must switch your day of worship back to the Sabbath from the Lord's day. Observe the day of atonement. Observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Observe the Feast of Tabernacles, Passover, Feast of Trumpets. In other words, yeah, you're a follower of Jesus, but now you need to take on all the Old Testament stuff as well. All the rules, all the regulations, all the festivals. Now, maybe you're thinking, why is that such a big deal? Why, why is that so important that, that he would write this, and this is kind of like the, the finale here, uh, pointing this out in very strong terms. And, and here's the answer. Look at verse 17. Here's the key. Those rules, regulations, all, all those festivals, they're a shadow of the things that were to come. They're all just pointing to something. The reality, verse 17, is found in who? Okay, a few of you got it. It's found in verse 17. Here's the answer. Those are just a shadow. They're just pointing to something in the future. But the reality is found in who? Found in Christ. And listen close. Jesus Christ has already come. Did you know that? He's already appeared, lived a sinless life, walked on earth, already took our place on the cross, and on the third day rose from the dead. Okay? So he's already come. He's exactly what the Old Testament prophesied and promised. Jesus Christ has fulfilled all that those rules and festivals and, and ceremonies were pointing at. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment. Of everything the Old Testament looked to. Let me explain it to you this way, okay? Um, did you notice? I had my favorite picture of, of my bride up here, okay, or at least one of my favorite pictures, okay? She's uh, been my bride for 36 years, and, and I tell you what, I take it everywhere I go. I do, I do, and uh, I talk to to the picture all day long. I love you, dear. And uh, when I when I go and I drive, I buckle the picture in, seat next to me. Make sure, that, you know, make sure the airbags are working. If Denise is there, she sits in the back seat because I, I got my picture here. Uh, uh, I, I rarely talk to Denise, but I talk to the picture all the time. You are beautiful, girl. And I actually, I don't tell many people this, but at, at night, I, I put that on the pillow next to me. Yeah, and I, I, I kiss her goodnight. Denise sleeps in another room. But, but, but my picture, my picture—that's really important. Now, now, is is that is that a good way? That this is a representation. This is a shadow, if you will, of Denise. But, but this is this is my focus. This is what I'm all about. Uh, what would you say? Um you better get to a marriage counselor quick. <laughs> you you got issues, buddy. Uh that would be true. Uh but that's exactly what that is. That's the shadow. That's a representation of Denise. That's not Denise. Now track with me. The legalists, the false teachers here, uh they were all about the shadow, the picture that pointed to a reality that was actually found in Jesus Christ. God with skin on, second person of the Trinity. Okay, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were more interested in the shadow, in the picture, than they were in Jesus. Which is a problem. They were all wrapped up in the system, and they loved their rules and their regulations and the ceremonies and the liturgy. Now listen, and all all of those pointed to Jesus, but they didn't really care much for Jesus. Matter of fact, when he came on the scene, they said, no, thank you. We like the shadow. We like the rules. We like the laws. We like the system." and they thought their shadow, their system, would admit them entrance into heaven. But the problem is, listen, they missed the Savior because of their system. They were all about the system, but they never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that can happen with us, y'all, especially when it comes to things like the Sabbath. We're all about the rules. We get so caught up in the thou shalt nots that we actually miss. What's the reason for it? It's Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the one who created it. We're about worshiping him. Sabbath is a gift from him for our enjoyment, for our good. Let me give you three sad but true examples. This was actually written down. At the time of Jesus, they would have believed this. Are you ready? On the Sabbath, thou shalt not look in a mirror. And you think, why couldn't I look in a mirror on the Sabbath? This is true. (laughs) I didn't make this up. You can't look in a mirror on the Sabbath because you might find a gray hair. (laughs) And if you find a gray hair, you might be tempted to pull it out And if you pulled it out, that would be working. Therefore, you cannot look in a mirror on the Sabbath. Example number two, and I'm not making this up. (laughs) Thou shalt not wear false teeth on the Sabbath. (laughs) Because it's possible they might fall out, and if they fell out, you would pick them up and if you pick them up your dentures and put them back in your mouth that would be working therefore thou shalt not wear dentures on the Sabbath that's true (laughs) that was actually written down by the rabbis of Jesus day one more example thou shalt not spit on the Sabbath why can't you spit because if you spit on the dirt and you scuffed it with your sandal, that would be cultivating the soil, and that would be work. So you cannot ever cultivate the soil, therefore, you can't spit on the Sabbath. Do you see where the rules and the laws can lead you? And those were actual laws, rules, of the pharisees in jesus day here's the key you ready don't be focused on how others might judge you on how you keep the sabbath instead be concerned how jesus views how you keep the sabbath that's the key okay again we get all caught up. well that what do they say and and i can't spit and i can't look in a mirror no no How does Jesus view how you're dealing with your day of rest? Turn with me again, phone in your Bible, Romans 14, Romans chapter 14. Um, This very well might be the most helpful passage in the Bible, the most practical chapter in all of God's word about how to live successfully with other followers of Jesus. Want to get along with other people who know and love Jesus? This is your chapter. It really is. Uh, Verse 1, Romans 14, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. You can underline that because that's the subject matter of Romans 14. Disputable matters. Well, what are disputable matters? Got you a little definition. They are non-sin issues that followers of Jesus who love and serve Christ equally have different personal convictions on. What do you mean? Well, believe it or not, different ones of you here, and you love Jesus the same amount, walk with Jesus, love his word the same amount, you have different convictions, personal convictions, regarding where you school your children and your grandchildren. Have you noticed that? That would be a disputable matter. It's non-sin issue, but honest, Jesus-loving people can really disagree on matters. That's the subject matter of Romans chapter 14. Example, verse 2. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another person's faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Verse 3, don't look down on the vegetarians, don't make fun of the vegans, no making fun of them. Oh, verse 3, and by the way, the vegetarian is not to judge the eat-everything guy and the eat-everything gal. Hmm. Verse 4, it's God's job to judge us on non-sin matters. The Lord is the one who will show us how we should live In those disputable matters, allow the other person, is the idea here, to walk freely and allow the Lord to be their guide. Example number two, verses five and six. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers each day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Verse six: Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thank gives thanks to God for their broccoli. I inserted broccoli. Key verse, verse eight: If we live, we live for the Lord. It's about Jesus. If we die, we get to go be with Jesus. So whether you live or whether you die, we belong to who? We belong to the Lord Jesus, okay? So whether you play frisbee on your Sabbath, or whether you sit quietly and take a nap on your Sabbath, let Jesus and his word and his spirit be the one that guides you. Whether you... Go ahead, next next slide. Whether, whether Whether you... Do something active, or you're very quiet and serene. Let Jesus and his word and his spirit be the one that guides you. That's the idea here. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, "Therefore," Paul says, let us stop passing judgment on one another when it comes to disputable matters. Knock it off, church. On the non-sin issues, allow them to have freedom to come to personal convictions, just like you want them to give you the freedom to do the same. Verse 19, let's make every effort to do what leads to peace, to mutual edification. We're called to live at peace with one another, not to tear each other apart. One of the best books that I read getting prepared for today was marvelous. It was marvelous until he had the audacity to rip into people who on their day of rest actually watch professional sports on TV. So I, I was really liking this book until he uh, jumped on my toes and he, uh, he said that watching uh, the Tigers uh, on Sunday afternoon or, or watching soccer Brant is, is a problem. Thanks a lot. I, I like this book up until this point. Okay, so I'm reading, okay, and now I got a little chip because he, he stepped on me a little bit. Uh, and now several chapters later, here's what the author wrote about. He said, one of my personal favorite activi- activities on the Sabbath is to smoke my pipe. And I usually save the very best tobacco I can afford for the Sabbath. Aha, you hypocrite writer, you. Tell me I can't watch the tigers on my day of rest and you're smug smoking your cancer pipe. Who do you think you are? Do you see the problem? Keep going, verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, whatever you believe, this is huge, about disputable matters. You ready? You ready? Keep between yourself and God. Once the Lord makes himself clear, keep your mouth shut. Because when you open your mouth and you tell everybody what the Lord has showed you, you're probably inviting a fight. You're probably inviting disputing. Because when I'm telling everybody the personal convictions that Jesus has made clear to me or you tell me everything, we're inviting judgment and condemning and disunity in the family of Christ. Okay? And and, and then we're returning fire now, and we're sharing what the Lord showed us personally. Non-sin issues. Verse 23, this is interesting. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. Because eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is what? Sin. Sin. Okay? So you better have talked to the Lord about it. He better have given you clarity and now it's a personal conviction from the Lord for me, perhaps for my family. And now my job is to do what the Lord makes clear and keep my mouth shut about it. So, How do we decide what I can and cannot do on my 24 hours of ceasing from work each week? How do we do that? I'm gonna give you three practical ideas. Uh, Probably won't answer every question, but that's not the idea here. The idea is you need to take this matter up with the Lord personally for you and your family, and here's what I know in due time. The Lord will show you, he really will. First, uh, here's the first thought. Is it a sin issue? If, if it's sin, then the answer is clear, and I'll tell you. Are you ready? You don't even have to pray about it. If it's sin, you're, you're saying, can I, can I do this? And it's clearly what God's word calls sin. The answer is no, you can't. Can I go to the beach on Sunday afternoon and lust after women? Men, I can answer that question for you, okay? Right now, the answer is no, you can't. Run, Joseph, run, Forrest, get out of there. No. If the answer, if it's sin, no. A second thought here is you're going to have to take some time and pray and ask the Lord to show you what he would like your Sabbath to be all about. It's going to take some, in other words, I can't tell you what your Sabbath should look like because you need to talk with the Lord and draw close And I promise you, in due time, he'll make himself clear. Final, on non-sin matters, can we please let Jesus lead each of us personally, individually? I guess I just appeal to you as my friends and my family, can can we just stop the judging and stop the condemning and stop the, the ugliness Because I want you to walk with Jesus and he'll show you. And I hope you want me to walk with Jesus and he'll show me. But here's the big idea. Don't forget it. The Lord for our protection has commanded that we cease working one day every week. That's the big idea. Now you're going to have to take that idea and say, Lord, how can I work that out? How can that work in my life? How can that work in my family right now? So what's it going to take for you to begin to obey the fourth command in God's top ten list? What's it going to take? What adjustments are you going to have to make? Got questions? (laughs) Next week? Okay, You can email me, and we'll, uh, we'll do what we can. I'll do what I can. I may seek some help, but uh, there's, there's the email address. Love to uh, hear from you uh, any questions you might have. Let's pray as we close. Lord, I want to pray for my friends here who are stressed and exhausted and overwhelmed and overscheduled with life. And Lord, some of them have resisted your command that you've given because you love us and want to protect us. And Lord, I know for lots of years I had reasons and excuses not to cease working one day every week. But your word, your instruction manual for life is loud and clear. So would you speak loudly and clearly To each of us right now, speak. We're listening. How does this apply to me? Lord, would you give us the courage and the patience and the endurance to keep crying out and asking and listening? you show us Lord how to create a day that fits us and our families right now right where you're at right now Lord we we need your help thank you for this incredible gift to keep us from burning out and running ourselves into the ground called Sabbath as we close right now just want to pray pray for anybody who says you know what I could really use Sabbath in my life. I think, I think this whole idea that comes from the fourth command uh, and that Jesus affirmed it'd be worth the effort, it'd be worth the adjustments that are needed for me right now. Anybody say, that's me, pray for me, would you? Pray that that might happen. Anybody as we close? Yeah? Are there others? Pray for me. I want to make those adjustments, whatever it takes. Anybody else? Lord, I pray for my friends who just responded, and I pray even more for those who aren't quite ready. Keep nudging, keep prodding, keep speaking. Lord, would you help us to get our lives in alignment with your inspired word? We know when we do it your way, Lord, it works. You've never failed us yet. Lord, help us to adjust as needed and necessary. Give us the courage and the endurance to act as you make yourself clear. And Lord, would you keep us from judging and condemning and attacking one another on non-sin matters? And Lord, help me and help us to keep our mouths quiet and not create problems with our personal convictions. We ask this in Jesus' name.